Welcome back to the Cogent Code Podcast. As part of the Get Your Life Back series, tonight's episode is called Black Men Golf, How Sports Like Golf Parallels Life. On this episode of the Cogent Code Podcast, we've given Sia the night off, and I've invited a couple of my longtime friends, more like brothers, Rod and Dion, a.k.a. Speedy D, to those who know, uh, to join me in discussing our perspectives on a few topics that impact black men. As avid golfers, both of these cats agree that the game of golf really mirrors life for the black man in many ways. From its beginning, brothers took golf with a passion. However, like most places in America, especially those that cater to the rich and elite and white demographic, golf was not supposed to include us, except in a servitude capacity. This discrimination, like in all spaces of America where it lives, didn't stop us from partaking in the, and excelling at the sport long, long, long before Tiger Woods. Ride with us as we explore the similarities between golf and life for black men. It should be interesting. So before we get going, I want to uh, introduce my two guests and I uh, will actually let them introduce themselves. Let's start with Roderick Ford. Floyd, Ford. I keep wanting to call him Floyd because that's my last name before. Go ahead, Rod. Talk to us. Yes, so uh, Roderick Ford, founder and CEO of Black Men Golf, um, just an, uh, an LLC that I created to really start focusing on uh, diversifying the game of golf. was hoping that uh, uh, I wanted to, by getting involved in the process <clears throat> from the jump, from kids to teenagers to even uh, where most black men start golfing, uh, in their mid twenties to corporate in corporate America, um, to help uh, facilitate the passing of the torch down to the younger generation, which is where I feel like we're going to be make the most impact. So when we turn on the TV on Sundays, when Tiger is long gone, we will have some uh, more black minority ethnic faces that we can take a look at, other than Tony Finau, or Harold Varner the Third, or Chad Kemp. So nice to be here. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Speedy D, holla at the people. Yeah, how you doing? I'm Dion Bell, better known as Speedy. Um, just one of those um, black men out here chasing this this little white ball in this game called golf. Um, having a pastime outside of uh, football, basketball, baseball, when you get a little older in life is um, something that we all need as black men. So um, just been enjoying the sport, learning the sport, and um, what I can say most about the sport is a very humbling sport um, and learning the game, obtaining skills and um, maintaining the skills. So just looking forward to the podcast this evening. Right on. And um, Speedy, as and I know Rod has both uh, introduced their their sons um, to the game. And so we'll get into that a little bit deeper also. But um, before we go, uh, just a little bit more about you two. Um, I, and I'll just say, you know, for the audience, we have all known each other for well over 20 years. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's really great to be together. Um, but before we get there, because we're talking about the game of golf and we're talking about the fact that uh, it's not necessarily uh, introduced in certain communities, right? It's, it's known as, as more of an elite sport, I would say. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, guys. But, um, but with that being said, 
tell a little bit where you guys come from and the fact, uh, like you said, Rod, that the that the sport was introduced or usually introduced to us as black men in our 20s, 30s. And it's usually attached to jobs or attached to, you know, those kind of areas. So either one of you guys can jump in there and kind of talk about, you know, just where you're from and the fact that golf was not necessarily on the plate or as an option uh, back in those days. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. So um, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, but my parents moved us out to the suburbs in Northern California uh, when I was a baby and uh, didn't see anybody uh, golfing. Had some friends who had some golf clubs. My dad actually got one, I think, a set of golf clubs working for United and uh, went to the driving range. And so we would go over there to this little driving range. But he was the, you know, him and my mother were the only black folks I saw uh playing any golf or swinging any golf clubs. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> as I transitioned and got a little older, I got into corporate America and in my mid thirties, uh, as a, as getting into leadership, all of a sudden I hey, hear this, Hey, you know, you want to play some golf? We got a golf yeah. tournament, you know, and we got vendors that are sponsoring teams and get yourself some clubs and let's go out and, and play. And that's generally how, um, how I got into the game. Um, I, when I was younger, I definitely remember playing. I, I played one time when I was younger until I lost all of the three or four balls that was in the bag that I was playing with. And <laughs> right. then I just went <laughs> and then I just walked the rest of the course. I couldn't I couldn't do anything else. Definitely loved it. But when I really reconnected with golf um, in my 30s and uh, and really got a chance to uh, experience it, I got what they know, what's called commonly called as the bug which means mm-hmm. all you're doing is thinking about golf. You're going to sleep thinking about golf. You're waking up thinking about golf. When you're working, you're thinking about where you're going to go play golf after you get off work, how much time you're going to have to hit balls, how many buckets you're going to hit, how many balls can you hit, what clubs do I want to get. Then you – and it's, it's, it's funny the way it works because what ends up happening is if you work – if you're playing with somebody who's already been playing – and you're a new player, what ends up happening is everybody wants, because you're getting new clubs, now everybody else want to go upgrade their set. Even though they're hitting their set just fine. Now it's like, well, shoot, he got the new Callaway. I need to go get the new Callaway. So, Oh, but we attribute that to, we attribute that to to any sport with us, especially, especially when it comes to us, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're going to get the new Jordans, you're going to get the new, you know, the new Damon Lillards, you're going to get, you're going to get whatever the, you know, whatever, especially if you see somebody that's, you know, doing something special on the court with those things, you like, wait a minute, I might be faster, stronger, (laughs) hit the ball further. You know what I'm saying? If I put these joints on, what about you, Speed? Oh, man, just to piggyback off of that, um, just like in anything, your equipment and your appearance, it just makes you feel like a professional golfer. Mm. Um, born and raised South Central, knew nothing about golf whatsoever. Um, later on in life, like you said, those 30s coming back home from college and some of my buddies in the hood at golf club, like, man, let's go up here and hit some balls. And of course, playing football and Basketball, baseball, football, myself, track. Yeah. Um, golf was something that was slow. Well, that's too slow, man. That game is boring. Mm-hmm. Old men play that game. But not even knowing the history. And, of course, like just like most of us, we were inspired with Tiger Woods. And it made me look deeper and deeper into the game, seeing how, um, how awesome it was to see that man excel. And, you know, we have, we have our – 
our different takes on, on Tiger, but at the same time, seeing a man that's kind of color out there, it was just motivating. So um, my son was at the, at the, at the time around 11, I got him the plastic golf clubs. Mm. So he was hitting the ball through the whole driveway. Then I went and got him, you know, a little junior set, got him involved in the first tee program of South LA. And um, he just excelled from there, man, from that age 10 all the way to age 18. But that motivated me to want to play more and more because it was always in the back of my mind. What if I were to start playing golf at the age of 10? Right. What if I were to know about golf in middle school and high school? Um, the athlete that I assumed that I was in football and track, what would I have been in golf if I would have applied that at that age? You know what I mean? So um, all I can say is hitting that ball. I have, I have a lot of bad shots, but when I hit that one good shot, Ooh. it's the most rewarding thing I can ever imagine. It could be on the 18th hole. I'm ready to go play 18 more holes off of that good shot. Real. That's um, real. Never been involved in anything that was so rewarding, but so humbling because this game of golf beats you up mentally, physically, emotionally. You know, you could be out there cursing yourself out over this one little bad hit. It's all on you, right? Yeah, it's all on you. Don't play. Don't play. I'm not, I can't play ride and I can't play a kill. Right. I got to play this course I'm on. But mentally, we're trying to compete because we're all, we're um, naturally competitors, you know. So, so as a disclaimer, I just want to go and put out there: I'm not necessarily an avid golfer, right? I'm um I'm one of those those golfers that you know I I, I dig the fit. I got some new golf shoes. I don't really have any new clubs, you know what I'm saying? I've been talking to Rod about that. He might have to send me some of his hand-me-downs because he get get a new club every month. But uh, you know, I um but I enjoy being out there and as long as I'm not playing with people who are super, super serious, then I have a good time. And you know, I'm I'm one of those that I probably drop a ball every hole. You know, I'm gonna drop, you know, I'm I'm gonna start with a new ball probably you know, two or three times because I lose my balls. But as long as I'm out there with some folks and we just have a good time, I really love the game. Before we go any further, I want to stay consistent with the Cogent Code podcast kind of uh, use of the Urban Dictionary. So I'm going to read to you guys um, what it says in the Urban Dictionary about golf. It says, uh, and these are, you know, Urban Dictionary always has some funny kind of quirky things. But uh, for this one, it says golf to stay consistent. Uh, I'm sorry, golf. It says the Urban Dictionary states that golf is the human equivalent to fetch, only where the fetchy becomes the fetcher and the dog, which is the fetcher, is replaced by an elderly person nine to ten times. <laughs> nine out of ten times, it's a male. Wow. And then uh, and, and there's a little thing that says, the father says to the son, I'm just going for a round of golf. The son says, oh, you mean human fetch. So, you know, <laughs> that's one piece of it. I got one more for you before we move on. It says golf is a sport often played by non-athletic boys who play it to call themselves athletes, right? <laughs> and crotchety old men who are trying to escape their dead-end marriages. <laughs> These men often play in the foursomes while drinking beer and spending 30 minutes on each hole to keep everyone else from having fun as they chop the ball around and will not let anyone play through. Wow. So, yeah, so you see the laughter from the golfers in the background here. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's that's what the Urban Dictionary says. Urban Dictionary be tearing us up sometimes. So uh, we'll move on from there. Um, so before we get too deep, I just I just want to want to talk uh, a little bit. And I want to ask 
ask both of you guys, uh, you've already kind of told us how you were introduced to golf and what, what golf kind of means to you right now. Um, but let's talk about a little bit how, because this is part of the Get Your Life Back series that C and I are working on. And, um, and we want to talk just kind of how, how golf parallels life uh, for the black man. So, um, Speedy, you want to talk, talk a little bit about how, how you see golf as a parallel to life? Yes, sir. Um, right now, I can say um, in my life, it's that, uh, it's that balance. Um, growing up, being an athlete, being used to working out, practicing and doing something. Let me stop him right now real quick, because you, per the dictionary, uh, the Urban Dictionary, Speedy actually is a real athlete. So this is, <laughs> this is not, it's not an athlete thinking, you know, to become an athlete, he became a golfer. He was a real athlete that became a golfer. So yeah. go ahead, continue on. Yeah, so you need that. I need, I need that balance. Um, hanging out at the golf course with my son and tournaments and all those things. You see the old school guys. It's so funny what the Urban Dictionary said about the old guys. That's where they hang out at the golf course. That's where they commune. That's where they fellowship. That's where they break bread. That's where they have a drink together. It's a safe environment. And one of the old school guys came up to me sometime. He said, are you married? I said, no. He said, even if you were, what place can you go to for four to six hours, stay out of trouble, have fun, and your wife knows you're safe and everything is cool? He said, the golf course. And I just sat there and looked at him and was like, wow. You know what I mean? This yeah. is our safe haven. You know, even though back in the day, this place was kept from us and, and there's this big secret of what the, what golf was all about. But that's how I look at it. It's a safe haven. I look forward to getting on the course once or twice a week. Now, I haven't played since October due to this work and this COVID, COVID stuff mm-hmm. and all that. So when they opened it back up, it was funny to get on the course with a mask on but still play and still have fun and so, say, you know, whatever it takes to get back on this course, that's what I'm going to do. But um, like to get back on topic, it's a balance in my life. Um, it's something that I need outside of working out. It's something I need outside of riding my bike. I feel like I'm getting prepared every week to go compete and learn this game. Even though one week might be great and the next week might be terrible, I look forward to getting back out there on that green. Right on. Rod, what about you? Parallels between golf and the black man and, and life in general? Yeah, for me, um, it comes back back to balance and perspective. Um you know, the, the thing about golf is uh, you get in, you get out what you put into it. And, you know, that's life. If you work hard at it, um, you can get fairly good. Um, don't ever let anybody tell you you can't. Um, it's difficult, not because golf as a sport is difficult. It's difficult because right in here, them, them six to nine inches in between, between those two ears, yeah. that's what makes the game of go- game of golf mm. trying. You tell me one thing, I can give you a pencil and a piece of paper right now. And I can tell you to draw a straight line and I can tell you to do that 80, 72 times. And I guarantee you, it's not going to be exactly the same 72 times. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. imagine trying to duplicate a swing with a yeah. bunch of different moving parts you know, not not necessarily 72 times just because you got the putter, which is a different swing. But you're out there 60, you know, 60 times, 50 uh, something swings um, if you're shooting par. Yeah. 72. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, it might be a hundred and something times, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But the reality of it is, is how can you find yourself 
so in tune with your mind and so in tune with consistency that you were able to put together uh, the perfect round or be able to put together a consistent round. And then when you're looking at life, what is it that you need to do on a daily basis to get your mind right, to put together a good day? Um, mm. to put together a good marriage, to keep a good marriage, to keep a good relationship, to be a good father. What are those things that you have to invest in within yourself to be able to be successful at those things? It's the same thing for golf. As you putting the time in at the range and practicing to try to get better when in, in tournament play or just going out with your boys, you got to put that time in yourself um, through meditation, through reading, right. through understanding and through understanding feedback to be a better person. How long have have at this point, how long, how many years, I would say, have you guys both golfed? I started in 2000. That's a hard question. Go ahead, Rob. Sorry, sorry about that. I started in about 2000. I started in 2008. Okay. What were uh, what were some of the well for you, Speedy? When 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 would you say? Wow, I say about two thousand. Yeah, yeah. So two thousand eight, two thousand. You guys are you know over ten years a piece yeah. in it. Um, and and I actually you know going back to me one second because this is this is I, I have very little to add to the golf conversation just because I don't play that often, but. Um, I was one of those uh, thinking about what you guys are saying about introducing your children um, to it. My dad definitely introduced me to it as a youngster. I had the junior clubs, like you said, uh, with Deontay and um, and and I, I got into it. And I think that I was pretty decent early on. And I think that once I got more involved in other sports, um, I kind of let it go. Um, he continued to play and still plays today. My brother is actually fantastic at it as well. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as how long, you know, and, and I remember being, you know, some of the only black folks out on the course at that time as well. Um, so my next question to you guys is, uh, you know, what are, or were there any barriers or did you recognize or do you still recognize any barriers um, that you either overcome or that you experience? Um, that makes golf a difficult sport for, say, you know, minorities or for you all to get into when you got into it and maybe now even today? You know, that's a good question. Um, Because me personally, I haven't really experienced anything as a recreational golfer, right? Just a guy going out hacking, uh, doing our thing. I have heard mm-hmm. stories of when you try to get into really golfing, trying to hit that PGA okay. Tour, um, that's where the monetary uh, restrictions for some families prevent them from being able to get uh, maybe a younger uh, junior athlete or junior golfer to be able to be able to attend some of those bigger tournaments. Um, having some conversations with other ind- people, individuals in the industry, um, that's when you see the separate, the segregation of the game where parents and uh, young, uh, young golfers, boys and girls uh, feel discriminated against, feel excluded and uh, make it very hard. Like you're not even supposed to be here. You know, these country Mm -hmm. clubs and this game was designed to 
for us not to be there. Right. Um, so that's why you got the country clubs and that's why you got invitationals as opposed to opens. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's a story that for another, for another time, but there's an individual who, uh, they would not allow to play. And I can't remember if it was, uh, Charlie Sifford or Lee Elder. It was one of those individuals they couldn't play. And I want to say it was the Los Angeles open. Mm. Uh, and they didn't want to let him play in it. So they changed it to the invitational. I so now that. you can't. Uh, and so now he wasn't able to play in that. So what I what I say all that to say is when you get into the, the, the competitive side where you're trying to hit LPGA or you're trying to get PGA or you're getting really into these junior tournaments and really trying to get some exposure, that's where. Um, from my understanding, a lot of the the segregation and a lot of the uh, the exclusion uh, starts happening. But from a recreational golfer, um, yeah, I, I see people all the time. I don't see a lot of black folks on the course. Like you know, it's onesie onesie twosie when I'm out there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um, it just depends on. I guess it just depends on the day you're going. But there's two courses in Oakland, California, Lake Chabot and the and the Oakland Metropolitan. Um, there is uh, Sequoia. That's uh, that's private. Um, there, there's a lot of older white women that play that course. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boy, uh, I got a, a good friend of mine that, uh, is a, is a member uh, of that, uh, that country club. But, uh, when you're coming to the Oakland Met, you know, there'll, there'll definitely be some minorities out there, but generally you're going to see a majority of, of white individuals out there, even at, even at Lake Chabot. Right. And speed, you were talking about, um, Deontay a little bit and, and and him going getting really into it and I know he he played on the high school team I think yeah, high and he uh, and you said he got involved with the first T program when he first yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that experience yeah definitely um that is so true Rod um when my son made it Deontay made it to the certain levels of the tournaments on the invitations when we got there maybe two three blacks you know. You had the Asians, you had the, you know, white shit. Everybody but us out there when it came to getting to that certain level. Mm-hmm. Um, I even, me and my wife at the time, moved out of the inner city into Torrance, California, just so Deontay can go to a golf high school. Mm-hmm. So it was amazing to see um, the level of competition and the level just of golf play in these schools outside of the inner city. I said that to say after Deontay experienced his four years of um, high school, they started bringing the first T program into the inner city high schools. Now, the, there were pros and cons because the kids didn't know nothing about golf. So to teach a kid to play golf and to have competitors in golf was a big thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, wow, I'm going to introduce you to the sport, but you can't even compete in it yet because you don't know the game. Mm-hmm. But uh those tournaments and invitationals, man, were awesome. I even had an opportunity to caddy for Deontay and um, um, TPC Las Vegas. And uh, all the kids were from out the country, across the country, France, England. I mean, it was amazing. I'll never forget that day. I had the little apron with, with his name on it, got the carry his bag for him. But the, maybe two blacks out there. That's dope. You know, but it was an amazing experience, amazing experience. And, you know, I, I you know, and this is not with golf, but I think that, it, it's relevant to what you just said. We, um, what I experienced and actually what I know about and, and even with the sport of baseball, right. Is that, um, you know, when those type of sports, um, enter into, you know, our, we get to experience them. A lot of times kids are really good at them and our kids are in particular, 
are, are really good at them. And then once they get to, like you guys are talking about, kind of those tournament levels, you know, the higher levels, they just simply can't afford to go any further, right? They can't afford either the new clubs. They can't afford the fees for the the teams. They can't afford to travel. They can't, you know, and and it's really unfortunate, which, you know, in a lot of, you know, we talk about resources for uh, for our communities and we talk about, you know, how this mirrors real life. This is one of those things that we see is that, you know, when it comes to educational resources, when it comes to uh, community resources, when it comes to just things that, you know, for our kids to be able to experience and actually excel in these areas, they're limited because of that. And so um, I think this is a perfect opportunity for Rod, you to kind of introduce Black Man Golf again. I know you mentioned it earlier, but I think, you know, one of the purposes and I know, you know, I'm, I'm getting involved with you in that effort is around, uh, you know, creating a, a platform and an avenue and a vehicle for that matter. Um, for our youth to actually be in positions to excel and take it to that next level. So you want to talk a little bit about Black Men Golf before we move on here? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, appreciate that. <clears throat> well, really um, just kind of sitting back and trying to figure out how we can penetrate um, the golf world with uh, a little bit more color, uh, so to speak. Um Try to figure out what are the things that are, what are the barriers? Black Men Golf is really designed to uh, create some synergy between uh, all ethnic groups, uh, but especially between the, and the, and the black community and different clubs here and different clubs there to be able to help facilitate that growth and that, that uh, I would say the nurturing or planting the seeds in our, in our younger individuals by bringing everybody together. We didn't want to, we don't want to take the place of any one group that's trying to um, become a part of the, of this process. What we wanted to is really be, be that, uh, that umbrella that everybody falls underneath to say, Hey, I'm going to go to black man golf to see who I need to connect with over here, who I need to connect with over there in the process of building uh, our brand. We really wanted to make sure that we created uh, opportunities for not only youth because we definitely want to get involved with them, but there's a lot of good organizations out there that are working with uh, working with the youth. But what do we think is the best way to be able to to get to to get in contact with them? Well, you know, you start looking at those young fathers, those twenty something, those thirty somethings. How do we engage with them to get them out there and really enjoying the game so they can pass that love for the game organically down to their children? Because our kids are naturally going to mimic what we do. For example, my son plays and my daughter plays. I swing lefty, my son swings lefty, my daughter swings lefty. You know what I'm saying? And so they want to come out there and they want to do that. They want to hang out with dad. Now, if it just ends up being a cool day with dad, great. If it some finds that ends up being something that they're passionate about and they're athletes already, then guess what? It is a win-win situation. Yeah. Girls, girls College golf is the number one underutilized college scholarship in the nation. Wow. So when you're looking, if I'm looking at like someone like my daughter, the opportunity for her to play and to have some passion playing, she can get paid to go to school somewhere to go play some golf. And she Mm -hmm. don't even have to be that good. She just got to be, you know, just going to want to go out there. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
the the goal is is really to try to help facilitate that growth, help facilitate that penetration, help create some synergy through groups and groups and groups and everywhere. There's there's all kinds of groups in each area. What I've noticed as I've seen is that um, as as the black community, we tend to silo out. Like we got our group, mm-hmm. we gonna handle it here. We got our group, mm-hmm. we gonna handle it here. Now I give this analogy: if I'm pointing my finger at some drywall. I might break my finger before I penetrate that drywall. But if I ball it up into a fist, I'm going to go straight through it in one blow. Without a doubt. And that's yeah. what needs to happen. We need to come together. If we're really trying to make an impact and really try to penetrate, we got to strike a better blow. We got to strike a mightier blow and it has to be together. It can't be us competing with each other because we all have the same goal. And that's what the, the, the goal of Black Men Golf is. Let's bring everybody together so it's not just one of us here or there that are trying to penetrate this. It is a group of individuals with a concentrated, calculated effort um, based on support, um, access, and uh, and really just encouragement to get these kids and uh, to get black folks in the game, and and more on and more on the and and then more on the PGA tour. So when we when we turn on the TV, it's not we don't have to worry about Tiger not being there. Anymore. Some balance, right? Yeah. Um, so with that being said, you know. Uh, you and I have talked about this before, but I, I like to you to delve in it a little bit. And, um, and you know, we talked about uh, when you when I connected you and Speedy together before we talked about this. But what does it mean to be a golf ambassador? And maybe you know more more detailed. What does the golf ambassador for uh, Black Men Golf look like? Man, that's a that's actually a great question um, because a lot of people see golf ambassador. A lot of people see golf ambassador, and they feel like they gotta. Uh, they got to know golf like the back of their hand or, you know what I'm saying? They got to be, no, you don't. Just being an ambassador of anything just requires you taking a little time to understand what's, what it is and then getting people involved in it. I'm not a, I'm not a golf coach. Right. I swing is, I just, I just did a, uh, a swing evaluation. My swing is jacked up right now. Right. (laughs) It is. It's jacked up right now. And it's and and it's like that for uh, for a couple of different reasons, some hip mobility issues. But that's neither here nor there. The reality of it is, is that I'm not a coach. However, I can get some brothers together. Right. And Mm -hmm. go out there and learn the game, teach them the game of golf. So when they go out there, they don't feel so fish out of water ish. You know, I'm out at the golf course and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Should I do I tee it up from the fairway? You know what I'm saying? You know, some people, they don't know that. They don't know little uh, the, the the little rules here and there. They don't know uh, golf etiquette, for example. If you're playing real slow, let the, let the group behind you play through so you can just kind of continue at your pace. Um, instead, you, uh, you, you know, you create situations where people are out there and um, there can be some uncomfortable interaction. So really trying to make sure that these individuals as a golf ambassador is really just reaching to the individuals that say, I've never played before. I'm interested in playing. Let's talk about it. Let's go, let's go hit some golf balls. Let's go do, let's go putt and let's talk about with a game and as a, as a, you know, as an overall game and, and what it is to be out there and, and, and how to, how to, you know, conduct ourselves when we're out there on the course. And I think that's huge. And, you know, sharing our love and our love and our passion for it. And somebody sees you, if somebody's interested in the game um, and they see that you're passionate about it and you're out there handling business and you're hitting good shots, man, that is motivating to people. And so that's what we do. 
a golf ambassador is somebody who's just going to come out, motivate individuals uh, to, uh, to, to enjoy the game and have a passion about teaching them, uh, you know, the etiquette. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, people aren't feeling so uh, just really uncomfortable out there. And out of water. Yeah. 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 So, Speedy, I know what you, you know, when you were talking about uh, caddying for Deontay and, you know, just the kind of your ambassadorship of the golf game um, with friends. How how has that worked for you and how have you found um, that you found or that you were able to attract more people into the into the game of golf uh, amongst your area and your community? That's a great question. Uh, over the past five years, um, going from a twosome to a foursome in golf with just my friends and buddies, we have uh, ignited a group of guys that love to play the game for whatever reasons. They're getting away from the house, competitive nature, or just picking up a sport altogether. So over the years, what we would do as young black men is that we would create tournaments on our birthdays. Mm. So everybody's birthday would be a golf tournament, whether we went overnight, played a couple courses in Palm Springs, Vegas, wherever it may be. But um, just this last um, summer, we played with a group of guys, man, out in Vegas, 60 black guys, man, 60 black men ranging from all ages. And just to see the setup of that tournament, to see all these these men, man, from all for all genres, as I should put it, um, was amazing. Right. You know, just to be out there, first of all, to get away from the house. Mm-hmm. Second of all, to book a room. Third of all, to have um, a buffet for everybody and golf on a, on a private um, country club in Las Vegas. That was that was awesome. Yeah. That sounded like a black men's golf event to me, Rod. What, oh, what's, what's happening? It sounded like you need to jump on that, bro. Yeah, we actually uh, the goal is to have uh, one of those every every quarter, so for a year. So uh, most likely, we're going to start the maybe the fourth quarter of this year. We'll uh, we'll put yeah. it together. But um, right. the I need to one of the things is I'm going to create a a five hundred one c three to attach right. it to BMG. Um, that's going yeah. to allow us to get uh, a lot more funding um, yeah. for the to make the event that much better. Right. And the fact that that's going it's going to be, you know, really supporting youth in the game and getting them them rocking on this as well. All right. So we've talked about some of the courses that you guys have played on. And, um, you know, Speedy just got done talking about the Vegas course. You talked about, you know, some of the private courses in the Bay. Um, Have you guys felt welcomed uh, in those prestigious courses or, you know, what, what is what is that? that experience been like kind of just generally speaking uh, i'll start off um there's a difference when it comes to playing a public course and a country club and it could be a public course in inner city it could be a public course in palm springs it could be a public course in atlanta is this a difference between public course and country club and so even as a as a man a young man that loves to play golf you even change your attitude when you go to certain courses you you change your walk when you go to certain courses because when you go from the public course to the country club, your, your swag is different. For some reason, this course looks better. The golf course look better. You know, you didn't wipe your golf clubs down and everything to play on this country club course. I mean, this, it just happens. But you do see the looks. Mm. You know, you do see the, the welcoming is different. You know what I mean? Like, 
Don't come out here and chop this grass up. You know, don't be talking too loud. You don't be drinking too much beer. Right. But no matter what person of color you are, everybody does. All mm-hmm. the men go out there and smoke a cigar. All the men go out there and drink a beer. All the men go out there and chop the grass up, you know. But there is a difference, and you do notice it. You do feel it. You do see it. But when you step on that course, you're like, I belong here. Mm. And I'm going to be here, and I'm going to have fun no matter how good I play. Big Dad. What about you, Rod? Yeah, I would say uh, when I was at the Sequoia with my boy Nate, uh, you could feel a little bit of a difference. Um, but uh, those public courses are really trying to get you to come back. Right. You know, you know even Pebble Beach, when I played Pebble Beach, um, they were excited. They were probably more excited for me to be there than I was just because mm-hmm. it was a beautiful day. Um, they grabbed the bag, put it in a bus. I got in the bus. They drove us to the driving range, brought yeah. the bag from the bus to wherever I wanted it on the driving range. Mm-hmm. I hit some balls. They came, got the bag, yeah. drove it back, you know, and then and then they were so excited to tell us that, oh, you picked a perfect day to come out here. The whales are breaching out in the cul-de-sac mm-hmm. out there. And it was it was just a great day, right? And they they want to create that, that create that experience for you. Some of these mm-hmm. munis don't care. Some of these muni munis know you just going out there to, to play. So it's like, yeah, well, thanks for the money. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah. But when you get to the country club, you know, people pay for exclusion. That's what they're doing. That's right. That's right. And so, and so at the end of the day, I am the representation of a violation of that exclusion mm. that yeah. you mm. pay for. Therefore, therefore, it becomes uh, you can feel a little bit uh, yeah. with, mixed around just that much more fun. Oh, of course. Exactly. And, yeah. and with, you know, we're talking about how this is a, you know, how, how just this experience as a whole mirrors life. Right. Yes. Because what you just described could have been you walking into, um, you know, into into Phipps Plaza, into the Cartier store. You know what I mean? Where it could have you could have been walking into, you know, I mean, and I and, I, and I, that's my Atlanta reference because I'm out here. But, you know, same thing in San Francisco, same thing in L.A., same mm-hmm. thing anywhere, you know, where. Um, where traditionally we weren't supposed to be or broken into. And, um, and you know, with the date and the time that we live now, um, the push for diversity and inclusion, um, I see a lot of what you described from the public courses a lot more because of that as well. And, and to be honest with you, I used to play a lot when I lived in Chicago. My boy Dominic used to get me out there and we would play probably, you know, once, you know, a couple times a month. That's, you know, I know that's not a lot for y'all, but a couple times a month was a lot for me. And, and, uh, but we played all public courses in Chicago and I'm talking about, you know, coming out, like you said, coming out there and, and making sure we were good and coming out there and, and, uh, you know, making sure they got my email address and they got our, our numbers so they can let us know when they had specials and, you know, just, you know, all of that was going on. And so it was really cool. Um, to experience that. And, and you know, I, I applaud you guys for keep breaking into those areas that, you know, traditionally we not necessarily are invited or supposed to be because we are going to be there, especially as black men. We've pushed the envelope, you know, uh, regardless. I watched the movie The Red Tails. I know you guys have all seen it about Tuskegee Airmen. And it makes me think about that, you know, like we, you know, we weren't supposed to be in the air. We wasn't supposed to be, you know, and we ended up being the best to do it, you know. So, um, so same thing with golf. I do want to ask you guys though, before we get off kind of the courses, 
what's your favorite course and what is the course? So two part question for both of you. What's your favorite course right now that you played so far? And what is that course around the world now that's on your bucket list that you absolutely have to play? Either one of you guys can go first. Yeah, I, you know, I played Pebble and it's it's beautiful out there. Let me tell you, it's there's uh it's it's an experience. But uh I actually my favorite course is um Poppy Hill, which is literally down the street from Pebble. Okay. Um, I, something about that course, it's just uh maybe it's the very first course that I went and played as a Northern California Golf Association member with a discount, and I was mm-hmm. able to go out there and uh, really experience that whole vibe of 17 mile in Pebble Beach. Cause it really is. It's Pebble Beach, Spanish Bay, and then set up in the hill a little bit is Poppy Hill. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's probably my favorite course to play. Um, mm-hmm. Bucket list course. Now we're talking about in the world, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Talk give me, about give me that. Yeah. Talk global. About Get global with it. Yeah. So when I'm saying uh, bucket, I might, <sighs> it's, as much as I like, you know, tropical and like Kapalua and Hawaii might sound good. I mean, can you not, how can you just pass up on St. Andrews, which is the home of golf? You know what I'm saying? St. Andrews, mm. uh, that, that right there, you know, watching Jack walk across. And where is St. And- where is St. Andrews? Where's St. Andrews? Where, you know what? I don't, I'm not even quite sure. It's, in, it's I think it's Scotland. It's in Scotland. Scotland that's Scotland. what I thought. Okay, there you go. Yeah, you were. That's right. <laughs> and, and then you have you know the famous picture of Jack walking across this little uh, this little brick bridge, um, and it's links golf to the fullest. Yes, and, uh, it's it's you know to be able to play where history is, and if you haven't had a chance to just Google. Google St. Andrews and look at the yeah. buildings and, and whatnot. It's just a, it's a, it's a majestic place. Kind of like Pebble. Yeah. Absolutely. What about you, Speed? That, that's so funny, man. Um, so I didn't get the opportunity to play at Pebble Beach, but I Googled Pebble Beach and somebody brought up the term of poor man's Pebble Beach. And so then I found the course Pacific Grove right down the road and so I took the road trip down there just to play that course, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll holy, tell you, beautiful. yeah. <laughs> just beautiful, right on the ocean and so on. I said, okay, now I got to go to the next level. Right. And I heard about Poppy and I heard about, you know, of course, Pebble Beach, but they, a lot of people talked about Poppy. So when I played Pacific Grove, I played with some locals and they told me all about the courses. And one of the guys even worked at Pebble Beach. So he told me about Poppy. I was like, well, I got to play that course, man. But um, over the years, I had come to love this course in Palm Springs called Terra Lago. And it was just beautiful. It was a be- the most beautiful course I've been to, man. And I was just like, I was just in love with it, in love with it. So every year I want to go back and play Terra Lago. The setup, they have a little island hole. Whether I'll hit the green or not, I had the island hole. It's just beautiful. And the, the fairways are like carpet. It's so soft, it's like carpet. The, the bucket list course, I was just telling Akio today, I'm going to Scotland end of this year, next year I'm going. I don't care what course I play. I want to go stay in the castle hotels. I want to play the two or three courses throughout the week. And just, oh, man, that's that's my dream. That's dope. Uh, for those, you guys can't, can't see us, obviously, because we're on, on the podcast. But um, 
when when Speedy just talked about that that last course, Rod just did a backflip in his <laughs> in his uh in his house just now. Uh, landed on his feet, so it was pretty impressive. <laughs> but uh yeah, Rob, you Rod, you obviously uh you obviously feel him on that on that course. Terralago, I you're you're the only other person than me me and my, my boys used to do a golf trip down to Palm Springs. You're the only other person I've ever heard mention Terralago. Um <laughs> Because I like Desert Willow, I like Silver Rock, yeah. I like PJ West. Indian Wells is ridiculous when you're talking about Have customer service. Yeah. yeah, when you're talking about customer service, it, it don't get any more top notch than Indian Wells. Yeah. Um, but Terra Lago, and there's another one I can't remember, but when I remember it, I'm a we we gonna go there. Um, yeah. That has a waterfall on uh, on hole number eighteen. To the left of the green, there's a waterfall, but at the top of that, at the top of that, uh, that's hole number one. So you're teeing off on hole number one on the top of the waterfall. I think it's called Eagle Falls or something like that, but uh, that's amazing. But Terra Lago, yeah, absolutely. That's dope. That's dope. And I and and I'm telling you, I'm sitting here smiling because you know when we talk about you guys' bucket list and and you know places, you know, and that's why I kind of emphasize the whole kind of global. Uh, reach. Um, I love y'all want to go play in Scotland. Shit, I want to go on that trip too. <laughs> just just because. I hope they, you know, can we wear the knickers in the whole nine? Yeah, is that is that how we are we supposed to go? Are we supposed to go all the way out with it? Because I'm I'm with that. I'm with yeah. that. Uh, so that sounds good. Um Rod, you we you and I talked about this before and I and I wanted to uh kind of expand on it or have you guys expand on it readily. Um I've heard that the world of golf or, or golfers are like a fraternity. Um, how, how is that? How is that? You know, Speedy and I are in, in you know, in a uh, one of the black fraternities, uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And so we when, when we when I think about fraternity, is it kind of like, you know, the college fraternities or is it like, you know, tell me tell me about tell me about kind of what the golf fraternity is like. Yeah, I'm gonna, since since you and Speedy is is is, uh, is repping Alpha, I'm gonna go ahead and let him answer. <laughs> then I'll, I'll then I'll pick back on that. There one. you go. There you go. Well, just outside of the fraternal organization that we came through in college, I can honestly say this group of guys that I know. So in my in my contact list now, on my phone, I have Golf Reggie, Golf Tyrone, Golf Peter, Golf. I have a list of guys that I I can hit up. I know, okay. Denal and Leonard might play on Monday. Mm-hmm. Billy and uh, Tyrone might play on Sunday. So that's how tight-knit we are when it comes to golf. We, we text each other. My buddy Billy, man, which you're going to meet soon, Rod, he, the, I can't think of a better example of an ambassador, man. This guy gets 50 to 80 people together. You know, he gets a course and gets the tee times, pays the fees, but you're going to get a call or a text or a group text every week. You know, mm-hmm. so when do you have a man, a grown man looking out for you like that? You know what I mean? For for golf. Right. You know, like, what's up, man? We playing this week. Whoever wants to play, hit me back. First come, first serve. You know, so it's it's, it's a form of unity, man, that we have in our um, amongst us as black men, as, as men, period, to get together, be able to unite. We know on the 18th hole, we're going to have a cold beer. We're going to talk. Next thing you know, you've developed a friendship with someone that you might have something in common with. We might want to go smoke cigars on Thursdays and hit, hit the lounge. So, so the unity um, 
compared to a fraternal organization is very close. That's dope. And before you jump in there, Rod, because I I know a little bit about it, it sounds so much like the fact that, and we're talking about kind of get your life back and, and you know, I kind of want to keep us within the series here, is really like, you know, that's therapy, right? That's therapy for for y'all, you know, as you get out there, you know, you know, if you are talking about golf and you guys develop that kind of unity, you're definitely going to be talking about family life at some point. Yes. You're going to be talking about your professional life. You know, we are as black men need to be talking more about our health yes. and different things like that. And, you know, what's the best kind of thing to get us going, how to break lower our our, uh, you know, get away from diabetes, how to get, you know, and all these kind of things. So um, so I love to hear you know, and that's why that question and, and, and you know, giving you credit for that question, Rod, um, that's why that question was so important. I'm glad we're talking about it. But, Rod, jump in there and tell me your kind of your perspective on that. Yeah, I got a I got a great story, uh, as a matter of fact. So I took some, uh, a bunch of brothers and some, some of the guy that does my beard, uh, who owns the barbershop that uh, that hooks the beard up. Uh, I see he, it's getting a little thick by the by the way. Yeah, last time I saw yeah, you, it wasn't so thick yeah. last time. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll I'll be down in SoCal this week, and I'll be at uh and down in uh was it Westchester Mall, uh, yeah. and there's a there's a brother down yeah Westfield Westfield Mall. There's a there's a brother that has a shop right across the street, uh, that I'll be uh there Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. But yeah, it's it's a little fluffy. But we were sitting there, and I had a group of a group of individuals coming out. A lot of them just starting to play, and we came out and we went to this little driving range. And on that driving range, you know what we was talking about. They were talking mm-hmm. about buying homes, how to go. build your credit to buy the homes, how to go through the process to buy the homes, the ups and downs and uh, of that and what to expect. And we walked off right of that on. just the driving range like, man, this is this was some good uh, counseling. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes absolutely. It was it was good interaction. It was good. Like it's what we want to do. What are we? if we're looking at how we can become better men and just better humans, how do we mm-hmm. share best practice? How would we, how do we lift each other up? How do we share game? You know what I mean? Real and so well. then a couple of weeks later, we go and play around now in the process of the parking lot after the round. Now we're talking about wives. Yeah. How, uh, this one brother who's who's just uh, currently just got married recently, once getting married, and they're sitting there talking about how it just wasn't worth what is what they got is so solid, it's just mm. not worth going out messing anything up like that. And I remember thinking, yeah. I remember I remember they're sitting up there thinking like, man, these women that are married to these brothers have no idea that we're building be. out here. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. That's where you want your man to be. So for me, it was inspiring. You know what I mean? Because you get a, you have an opportunity and that's really what it is, man. When you're out there on the course, everybody's been there where you struggled and everybody's been there when you hit where you hit fairly good. Yeah. But they've always, always going to enjoy the camaraderie, the brother, the brotherhood, the fellowship and the sharing of experiences that you have just with a, with, with walking in around the golf. And there's actually a, a lady at in, in the clubhouse, because I do have a club in the clubhouse uh, called Black Men Golf mm-hmm. and uh, an actual club. And I joined a couple of different clubs and I uh, co-host some of them. This one lady had talked about the uh, the um, the soothing effects of being out on a golf course. Yeah. People don't realize it like people don't 
people don't realize how fun golf is. They look at it on, on TV and like, man, this is boring to watch. Even going to the driving range can be a bit boring. Get out onto a nice course mm-hmm. and see if you don't want to be there every weekend. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even if it's just, even if your girl is just riding with you, driving the cart and she's sipping on something, you know what right. I'm saying? You guys are having a good round. You guys, after you go, they call it the 19th hole, which is the clubhouse. That's you right. know, you go to the 19th hole, you have some cocktails, you have lunch. It's a really good day. But the, being, being at one and being grounded, and this is a whole nother conversation I could go off on, but just being grounded uh, with nature um, really, I feel, is what, uh, when you're really at peace with yourself and in peace with life, mm-hmm. man, try walking out, try going outside, taking your shoes and socks off and walking in some grass and just allowing mm-hmm. yourself to be grounded. You know what I mean? So when you get out in those courses, they're so beautifully manicured. Um, it's just amazing to be out there and it just sparks conversation and it's right. generally good, positive conversation. So that brotherhood, that camaraderie, the fellowship that we created in those experiences really were sharing best practices. And you're looking at these brothers like, man, I'm, it's like, man, I'm so proud of this man that came out, you know, two of the brothers yeah. drove, out, drove out in Mercedes. They had the little Mercedes. Mm-hmm. One brother had, a, uh, his wife had hooked him up. So he had an electric cart. It was like the Mercedes of golf bags and carts. I was like, oh, this, okay. brother, this brother doing it. Um, yeah. And so he up there with a remote control, he walking, but he got a remote control for his cart and whatnot. And wow. doing this thing. And it was, uh, we had those really good conversations, man. I remember thinking, I remember being so feeling so blessed to be a part of those conversations and to actually listen to brothers talk about how to be, how, how to be loyal and the desire to be loyal and the importance of being loyal to, to your woman and whatnot. It was just a good experience, man. And I think that's really what comes down, uh, to the fraternity, um, is people can go out there and talk about their problems or they can tur- or they can talk about their joys. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some counseling done. And yeah. uh, that's what we need. That's, that's what we need. We need that safe place to be able to counsel each other, uh, be counseled ourselves and really just create some good memories that can, you know, last outside of the course and some, some yeah. feedback that can help us outside of the course. And that's really, I mean, and that's really what it's about. And that's what, you know, I mean, I think you you locked in on the question so well, you and Speedy both, um, because that's, you know, that's what I've saw um, with it. I know that the times that that I've been out there with my dad and my brother, um, it was just it, it was fellowship almost. Right. It was all it was it was it was spiritual. Like we you know, it was you know, I was killing the course. They was doing better than me. But it was just us being out there together. We were smoking cigars. We were having a couple of drinks. And we just were, it was just time spent, right? And I think that, you know, those conversations happen. So much business happens on the golf course, right? Um, you know, and so it's just, it's, it's, it's a great time to spend. Before we move on from courses, um, you know, I, I wanted to ask, and, and I'm going I'm to hit it at Speedy first. Um, tell me a little bit about, I, I've heard a little bit about plantation courses, um, speak, can you tell me a little, tell a little bit about plantation courses? And just to add on to that, I don't know the definition or what um, depicts a plantation course, but I've seen on TV and I've passed by them. I've passed them in um, Alabama, Georgia. So I've always, when you talk about playing a course, I've always wanted to play one of those courses that look like a plantation because it seemed like that was one of those courses they said I would never get to play on. There you go. And so um, that's that's also on my bucket list to play a nice plantation course. Seems like most of those courses are, are country clubs. And so um, 
Yeah, I'm working on that. You have any insight on that, Rob? I really don't. Um, I just know that they they're they're, they're definitely a different makeup. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's definitely a different design. Um, I think even Hawaii, there's those courses are plantation courses. I'm definitely sure there's a a uh, a, a definite meeting, uh, but I will say, um, yeah, I'm trying to. I was just googling it right now to see if I could see yeah. uh, what it was, but. Uh, I do not. I do not know for sure, but I do know the. I do know the setup seems to be different in those courses. Uh, you can definitely tell the difference when you're looking between a links and a plantation course. Uh, but it's definitely something that uh, I feel. Well, I don't even want to speak because I don't know uh, what exactly it is. But when I when I think of plantation courses, I think of the uh, Midwest and the South. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah. And I and I, you know, I thought this is definitely not the last of our opportunities to talk about this. So we'll we'll put that on the notes for the next one. Yeah. Um, so equipment in any sport is almost important as a skill level. Right. So how do you guys decide on your favorite clubs, brand, et cetera? Like what what what's the what is it for me? It's probably, you know, I like silver ones, so I'm probably not going to get gold ones. <laughs> but uh but uh you know I, i'm i'm the novice here so you guys tell me how do you how do you pick your clubs and and you know is there a particular brand that you like the most or or how's that how what's what's the determining factor for you guys on that uh, i can kind of look at it like sneakers man um you know some people like nike some like adidas and and kind of like in golf it gets like that you have callaway the big hitters callaway taylor made um ping uh, who else you got there? Uh, it's a few of them, but I fell really close to the Callaway and the TaylorMade. Mm-hmm. So I have a set of TaylorMade irons, and all my woods are Callaway. Ah, you okay. Know? So I, I got a good feel with the Callaway iron. I mean woods, and a good feel with the TaylorMade irons. What about you, right? Yeah, I'm gonna say I like the I like the club that hits the best for me. Yeah, and so. Uh, I started off a tailor-made guy, and then I was Callaway for the longest time. Right now, I'm a Mizuno guy. I went wow. and got fitted. I went and got fitted. Well, first off, every person I ever played against that played Mizunos was good. Mm. So when I got yeah. fitted, and they said, and when I got fitted, and they said, "Yeah, you should get these Mizuno," I was like, "All right." And in my mind, I'm thinking, <laughs> "Oh, I'm kind of good, right?" Yeah, right, so, right, right, right. Um, so, but the the thing is, is finding the club that works best for you to enjoy a round of golf. And now we may have some preferences tailor made. Um, they seems like they put out a different driver every week, but uh, you know, everybody's always trying to up their game as far as, you know, you know, the way it looks and, uh, and everybody if you, who, no matter who you ask, they got the best driver, the longest driver, yeah. the straightest driver, mm-hmm. you know, the longest driver and the straightest driver is the one that you hit the longest and the straightest. And That's it doesn't right. matter who it is. And so I encourage everybody to, after playing, if you're just getting into the sport, after playing for a little bit, go get fitted. You know, you'll get yourself mm-hmm. some kind of swing. You'll, you'll have your swing speed and whatnot. Go get fitted. And most importantly, get fitted for shafts. That is what you want to get fitted mm. for. People ignore that all the time. They say, ooh, this new pretty looking <laughs> driver. And for some reason, I got this $500 driver that I can't hit 100 yards 
or I keep slicing right. it left or pull hooking it right. I don't know why it's doing it. Nobody's paying attention to the shaft. I play Diamano white shafts in my driver and all my fairway woods. That shaft retails at $250. I can get it on eBay for 70 though. That's, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what I'm doing. And so you find the shaft that you hit best. Now, I can throw that shaft probably on a tailor-made. I can throw it on a Callaway. I can throw it on a Mazuma. Ah, and okay. I'm going to probably hit it fairly similar. Um, some clubs are a little bit hotter off the face. But you want the you want to be playing the club that's going to put you in the middle of the fairway after you hit the ball, because that's your best way to that's your best chance of scoring. So mm-hmm. I say I tell people all the time if I could go back and do it again, I would have paid attention more to my shafts, getting fitted for my shafts, uh, as opposed to saying, "Ooh, I just want this new tailor made yeah. golf club." Because people have been through, and, and you can speak to this. There's times where people may pick up your driver and hit it great. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. Man, I, yeah, I hit your driver. Great. OK, I'm going to go get this tailor-made M2 and they go get that tailor-made M2 and they can't hit it for nothing. But they didn't even pay attention to what shaft you had in. Right. 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 And so it's it just it's just it's just a matter of getting getting those dialed in. Even the even the shafts in your irons, which I play true temp, true temper, uh, uh, dynamic gold s 200s i believe i i play and that's i need to go to an i, I just when i got my swing evaluated the other day they told me i need to probably go to a extra stiff because i swing an extra yeah, stiff in my driver yeah. um so now i need to swing probably an extra stiff in my irons and so it's just a matter of making that jump but man pay attention to that shaft make sure yeah. you got the right one right and uh and and so you said that you your daughter and your son all hit left um Speedy, I know, I, you know, I know Speedy very well. I also saw him at the shooting range, not the driving range, but at the shooting range. And, you know, depending on, on what he's working with, he might shoot left, he might shoot right. So, Speed, for you, which are you right? Are you right on it? Or are you left on it? Or how, how's it going? Great, great, great analogy, man. I'm righty with golf. Mm. My son and my dad are lefties. Okay. All lefties, man. I was, I'm glad you brought that up. I gave my dad a set of clubs about 10 years ago. My dad is 73 now. And when I tell you he has to put those golf clubs in his hand every day, and I think golf saved his life mm. because it gave him some exercise, it gave him some look forward yep. to do. He has some camaraderie with the guys at the senior citizen spot he, lived, he used to live at because we just uh, moved up to Moreno Valley. And so that's something I'm going to have to create for him now because that was something he was able to walk out his door. Right. And or hit hit his friends up on the phone and say, okay, hit me me out uh, at hole one. So now I'm gonna have to create an environment with him on my off days to go play golf with him. But gave him a set of clubs ten years ago, man, and I think they saved his life. Wow, that's dope. So so I'm gonna shift us a little bit from the actual you know technical piece of the equipment and just talk about brothers in general. You know, so it don't matter what we do as black men, right? We have a style. In everything we do, right? Depending on the walk, it might be shoelaces, it might be your glasses, it might be your hat, how you wear your hat might be, you know. And I and I seen us out on the golf course in a thousand different kind of forms, right? So, um, you know, golf has always been pretty stuffy to me. Just, I mean, I think that generally speaking, the public probably looks at it very similar to that. How do you guys? And this is for both of y'all. How do you guys project your own personal style and swag out on the golf course? 
Man, that's a... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Come on with it. Yeah. Don't be bad. Yeah, don't hold no, back. I, I think it... Uh, I, 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 I think I'm pretty... I, w- I want to say I'm pretty basic, but it's always going to be something. Like, for example, I think I had Tiger Woods. Uh, I had every pair of shoes before he stopped uh-huh. making it. I had every pair in black and white for like five or six years, right? Those shoes are not... As a matter of fact, I, I wore them. I couldn't wear them out because I had so many that uh, mm-hmm. I still got them. I still got right. uh, five. I think I got six or seven pairs in the car now. Wow. Um, but uh, I'm always trying to match the shoes to the shorts, to the shirt, right. yeah. to the lettering, right. the lettering yeah. of the hat. You know what I mean? Um, I want to make sure the towel on my bag matches the color of the bag. So Come I got on. a no towel. I was at Bodega Bay, Bodega Harbor, uh, and they had this little blue and white uh, bag that I ended up grabbing a little leather bag. I ended up grabbing to throw my tees in. So that matches the bag. Um, the, uh, everything I'm trying to get, I'm really trying to get it to match. That's, you know, really what it comes down to. And, uh, you know, uh, and then you just like, Hey man, you know, this phrase look good, play good. You know, yeah, right. So at least when I step on that first tee, I'm PGA professional. Yeah, yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm a PGA professional. By by the time I walk off, I might be crying a little bit. But on that first <laughs> tee, on that first tee, I'm out there trying to win a check. That first swing, yeah. I'm trying to win a check. And then we just gonna yeah, let, yeah, yeah. we gonna let the round determine uh, exactly uh, you know where we end up. But I think really it just comes with your personality, man. Different people wears wear different things. Some people are a little bit more flashy than others. I think I'm mm-hmm. fairly. I think I'm fairly uh, even keel, even though what I pop, what I'm wearing is probably fairly nice looking. Um, and, and until the only time I get flashy is when I rock that pink. There um, you go. There and, you I, go. And, I, and, I, and I'll and I'll rock that pink like nobody's business. As a matter of fact, let me see. <laughs> let me see right here. I rock that pink like nobody's business. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, there little, it is. Nike, little Nike. Uh, but yeah. It's, and then, you know, the hats, the hats, you know, hats very, you know, the younger kids generally play the flat bills or, uh, you know, I don't necessarily play a flat bill. It just never really looked good on my head. So mm-hmm. um, it just depends. My uncle, he's out there straight. Uh, it, I, I feel like when my uncle starts playing and, and he's in his uh, <laughs> and he's in his cue fit because my uncle's yeah. cue, when he's in that oh, purple yeah. and gold, old gold, I Head feel like. Yeah, I feel like he playing in black and white. Like we watching him <laughs> play in black and white. That's wow. it is old school. That's what he's doing. He got the knickers on, pulled up. Yeah, got the, purple yeah. on. the bag is purple and gold. I mean, he listen. Atomic Dog start playing. You know what he about to get down with? He, he about you know to step out on the exactly. on the eight hole. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about you, Speed? What's your what's your style? What's Man, your, your swag look out. like? And it's amazing how my how my closet. Got filled with polos of every color you can imagine, man. Mm-hmm. And, because, and to get those golf pants, and you know, I'm not—we don't wear suits that much no more, you know. But to put on that nice pair of golf pants with that new polo on and tuck it in with that belt, the belt, the belt, that belt buckle, man. Something yeah. about that belt buckle. There it is. <laughs> when you tuck that shirt in, that belt buckle standing out, man. It's, it's a beautiful feeling. That's right. And, and like, that's just to take it back on the ride. That first hole, that first tee, no matter where you are, that first tee is the gallery, the gallery. Because everybody gets to see you hit that first shot. That's right. So I don't care what your swag is, your confident level. 
you want to get that first shot, get it out the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> that goal is when people see you walk up to that first tee, they I want them to be like, oh, this fool looked like he could golf. Yeah, right? yeah. That's what he's about to do. So, so, yeah. so they go start. But the belt buckle thing, I don't know if you remember Speedy Anthony Kim. He's no longer playing, but he was an Asian dude. And he was really, really good. And he he stopped playing for some health issues and uh, some insurance stuff. I mean, I don't know what the the whole deal was, but AK Anthony Kim was a beast in the Ryder Cup. He used yeah. to bully people, and 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 Anthony Kim was dope, man. But he used to always have this nice, big uh, AK belt buckle, yeah, uh, and it was just all blinged out and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. I was like, That's hey, he, he has he has swag. He had he has some super swag. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what's up. So we we coming to uh, coming to the close on this uh, on this great conversation. Um, I I'd be remiss to not uh, you know have us kind of end with uh, both of you guys' recommendations as to you know how to get more black men involved in golf, how to get more folks involved, you know, it, it, you know, interested in it, um, especially the youth. You know, we're all very focused on the youth. We all have kids. Um, we've all put put time and energy in our in our and our efforts into supporting our youth in general. And this is just another area to do that. And then, you know, and then, you know, for you, Rod, you know, how do we get involved in black men golf and how do we you know, how do we you know, where do we sign up? What platforms are you on? Um, you know, how do we get some of that that fresh merch that you got that you're wearing right now? And uh, just how you know, how, how do we how do we move forward on that mission? Because it's really a movement. Um, and not just a an organization, and so um, I, I'm going to give give you the mic at the end, just to uh, kind of close us out and and talk about that. Um, but before we do that, Speed, what are your thoughts on how we, you know, kind of get more more of us involved in golf? We see the parallels. We see how how it can possibly impact life in general. Um, it's definitely some form of fitness. It's definitely some form of brotherhood and fraternity and just, you know, and, and growth. And so, uh, you know, how do you feel as far as us getting more people? How do you see us getting more people involved in the sport? Yeah. Um, number one, one of the best things that's happened over the last few years that I've noticed is that the, the PGA, the professionals are starting to show more of their mistakes. Mm. That they're human beings and they're not every shot that they make, every swing that they take is not perfect. And so to pass that on to these brothers that are interested, see a lot of us are intimidated by the game because we don't know the game. Nobody taught us the game. But to make them feel more comfortable going to the range. Um, one of the things that I'm doing personally, um, a young cat last week, I was at a meeting at church and um, he wanted to learn the game but he didn't have any clubs. Mm-hmm. So a guy that's coming on the set, he's not about to go spend five, $600 no, on some golf clubs or something he don't know. So what we can do as these guys has been in the game for a little while, we got extra clubs. Yep. So when these guys are talking about playing golf, say, man, I got a couple clubs for you to go to the range with. And so this young cat last week said, man, I want to learn how to play, but I'm a lefty. Mm-hmm. I knew my dad had a barrel of lefty golf clubs. Mm-hmm. So what I did, I went and built him a starter set. Set my car now. As soon as I get back, I'm going to hook up with him. Hey, man, go to the range and start swinging. That's what's up. Because most of us are self-taught with golf. We're, we're such great athletes and competitors that we teach ourselves. But I have to agree 100% with Ryan. Go yeah. get it and go get some lessons. That's my problem right now. I'm my biggest 
hitting me on that golf course because the swing that I've developed, mm-hmm. it hurts me later because I try to add to it. Mm-hmm. When my swing is excellent, I try to do some tweaking to it, and I just totally lose my swing. Yeah, so yeah. you better be sure I'm going to get fitted and I'm going to give me some some lessons to be consistent and to earn earn and learn my swing because everybody has a different swing. And so when you earn and learn your swing and you can go out there every day, whether it's pretty or ugly, do that same swing, that's what makes the game fun. Yeah, and that's and that's interesting because I know you're a, you're kind of a power powerful guy and and I I always that that's always been my mistake and from this particular podcast episode right here I'm definitely going to go get fitted and get some some lessons just so that I can not feel embarrassed out there on the course with y'all but um but you know it's not a it's not a power sport right it's not wrestling it's not football it's not you know it's not a power sport it's a finesse sport and so um so you know I've seen that with uh you know, with some of the, the names of the people that you guys have, have talked about. And that's why it's also a sport that you could play until you cannot move anymore, yeah. right? That's why you could be 90 years old or 75 years old or 80 years old mm-hmm. and still be swinging that, that club. Um, yeah. So let me go ahead and, and, and uh, pass it to my man Rod and let him tell us a little bit more about uh, Black Man Golf, how to get involved and all that good stuff. And then we'll close out this episode of the Coach of Code podcast. Nice, nice. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a uh, phrase that snipers use: slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. And that's uh-huh. that's, that's golf. Um, mm-hmm. People think that you try to swing when you try to swing hard. There's a lot of wasted motion and a lot of wasted energy. You actually hit it shorter when you're trying to swing as hard. Number one. Number two. Swing from the ground up. People don't realize mm-hmm. your swing isn't. Uh, your power from your swing doesn't come from your chest and your arms. It comes from your legs and your forearms. Um, and so understanding that, uh, understanding that approach golf from a standpoint of you're better off to be more flexible than to be more yoked. Right. So yeah, if yeah, you yeah. can start do, imp- implementing some yoga, so where you get them hips loosened up, man, it's going to be a really, it, it'll be an, an, a, a definitely an, a, a much better experience for you. As far as uh, Black Men Golf is is concerned, we have the Instagram page. It's called Black Men Golf. Um, the store for the apparel is blackmengolf.qbstores.com. Blackmengolf.qbstores.com. Um, there is where you can find the swag. There's two different logos. There's one that's Black Men Golf spelled out, one that's BMG. Uh, there's hats. There's uh, sweatshirts. There's... Uh, obviously polos and uh there's towels for your bag and uh, uh there's some uh jackets i believe and then there's a woman's line uh as well that says i love bmg and they're all women's shirts uh and in and apparel so i go in and i choose the designs that i want in the uh uh on the store in the store and uh and then i post them i actually need to add some hats uh in there as well now as far as being a part of bmg I have a website um, and it's blackmengolf.org, but it's just, it's not finished getting built yet um, because I've also got the blackmengolf.club domain name as well because, because of clubhouse that, that has taken off. So I don't know if we're going to build on that one or if we're going to build, continue on the blackmengolf.org. Um, but there will be memberships 
uh, available here, I would say within the next six months when, where you can go in and there'll be different tiered memberships. Um, and I'm partnering with some people to hopefully try to get some discount, uh, discounts with, uh, golf tech, um, for swing evaluations and whatnot. I don't know if that's going to, that's going to, I don't probably shouldn't put that out there, but I will. Um, because that's something that's, uh, I'm going to go ahead and manifest that, uh, and make it happen. Yeah. Claim it, and, uh, claim it. And so, uh, I would say, when it comes to golf, if you see somebody who's interested or kind of interested, talk to them about it. If you have some clubs that you can uh, that they can use, tell, tell them to come out. Hey, I'm going to come get you. I'm going to come get you. Let's just, go, let's just go swing. You know what I'm saying? Because you never know if they're going to fall in love with it or not. I'm telling you, golf is one of those sports that you hit that bug. You might leave that golf course and go straight to a golf store and try to buy some clubs. That's right. Just from, just from going from the range. My boy Donald did it. We, he had his stuff. And I was like, hey, let's go buy Golf Mart. By the time he left Golf Mart, he had a new set of clubs. Yeah. He had a bag and he had put those clubs in to get re-gripped. There you and, he go. Had yeah. a, and, he, and he had a putter. He was committed. And, yeah, he, he, he was committed. And so I would say uh, just be an ambassador of the sport, just like you would be an ambassador of yourself. Right. You know what I mean? You know, make sure that people understand the purity of the game. People might call it boring, and that's okay. You can say it. You can say it. you can call it what you want. But if people are interested, get them out there. The more people you can get out there, the more brothers, the more little sisters, brothers and sisters you can get out there, uh, out on onto the course. The better you have at getting more people in, involved in the game. Some people are going to love it. Some people aren't. Uh, but the experience will be second to none, and they will always remember that experience. And whenever you can get them out on the course, even with the younger kids, if they're not so interested in actually playing, have them riding the cart with you for a mm-hmm. round and see if they don't want to pick up a club after a while. That's um, right. And th- those are the things, and, you know, as ambassadors of the game, those are the things that you can do. As BMG, I just look for people that want to, you know, I'm going to continue to look for people to partner with that want to grow the game, that want to create some synergy within the minority communities. Um, but it's not just to minority communities because I feel like we need That's everybody right. to be able to allow us to open these doors uh, to 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 introduce uh, more more individuals and create more inclusion um, in that in that world. And so um, partner with people that want to help. You know what I'm saying? Partner with people that want to help be a part of the, be, be, be the change you want to see and help facilitate the introduction to, to individuals that may be uh, interested in playing and maybe not. But uh, at the end of the day, it's all about sharing the passion and That's making right. sure that people understand exactly. Uh, you know, I really feel that you're more, it's, it's such a good sport. When I say it parallels life, it really does. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have to, you know, you, no matter what you do, you have to, you have to play your ball where it lies. You got to play the game. You, you got to live your life the way it is. You got to, you, you, the hand that you're dealt, you got to play it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. how you adjust to maybe some bad decisions that you make that may be the equivalent of an errant tee shot mm-hmm. and how you rebound from that. Wrong club. You, yeah. Wrong club. How you mm-hmm. mentally prepare yourself for that round or how you mentally prepare yourself to go through life or to go through your, just your day um, uh, to be able to be successful and be happy, you know, and, and really treat and be true to the game, just like you need to be true to yourself because that's the only way you're going to get the best out of it. And so I think uh, that's what, go, that's what BMG is all about, making sure that we offering, you know, the helping facilitate that and then offering some mentorship. Mentorship is a big, is a big one that we're going to be moving into 
Um, because yeah, we can put a we can put a golf club in a kid's hands, but what are we gonna? How are we gonna help him mentally? Not only be That's able right. to become good at golf, but be just a good human, to be a good man, to be a good person. And uh, I think those are huge. I think those are huge lessons when we're trying to get these kids out the street and get them to get them to understand uh, what a better life looks like. And then and then and then make sure they understand that they have access to it. That's you know? right. Because we, that's one of the issues that we're having. No access, no, no money for equipment. I mean, and no money for lessons. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It, it costs a lot. So how? That's what BMG is about. We're going to help facilitate um, that introduction. We're going to help minimize the the impact, the negative impact financially for for yeah. families that are really trying to get uh, get their kids or just trying to get into it themselves and and really help the help them out. So I love game. it. Yeah, I love it. And and you know, and I'm definitely. Um, part of and and um you know and and pushing um the bmg mission and the bmg movement and and that's exactly that's why i said earlier bmg is really a movement and you know one of the things that we talk about you know just amongst ourselves is breaking generational curses and mm-hmm. unfortunately you know they still they're still out there in many many ways and this is just another um avenue and another vehicle uh, to break those curses, because as you heard, you know, out on the golf course, it's not just golf; it's life, and it's and it's you know, cats get an opportunity to really talk about what's really happening in the world, in their homes, in their futures, in their past, and the whole nine. And so, um, you know, that's why this actual episode is definitely part of our Get Your Life series. And um, and we're gonna on that note, man. I thank you two brothers for joining me tonight, yes, and. Um, we're going to close it out for another episode of the Cogent Code Podcast. Rock with us on the next one. Peace. What you going to do? What you going to do?